exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. 89 FM. The Impact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure gives a voice to our community and provides a forum for discussing the relevant issues of today. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, this is Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. Tonight, I bring you a very special exposure episode dedicated to Michigan's contemporary folk music scene. You will hear interviews from Frontier Ruckus, Chris Bathgate, Seth and May, and Gifts or Creatures. But first is a story I aired this summer about music collectives. This story is about how Lansing's Bigger Brush Media is keeping talent in the state by bringing local musicians together to pool resources and create a strong music community in the area. It's almost midnight on a Monday, and a band called Gun Lake is getting ready to record some music. A muggy, crowded room is filled with instruments and recording equipment. Dozens of homemade quilts drape from the ceiling, and the room is lit with Christmas lights. This isn't your average recording studio. It's actually the attic of Kevin Pritchard's home in Lansing. Pritchard is sitting in front of his laptop while he mixes the sound. This is about giving people a voice. We want to be able to use our talents, our knowledge, to actually help everyone out. Pritchard calls tonight's recordings the Quilted Attic Sessions. It's all part of his music collective called Bigger Brush Media. Pritchard says a handful of music collectives have been popping up around the state in the last couple of years. They function a lot like indie music labels, but membership is flexible, meaning even if your band isn't a part of the collective, you can still get help from people like Pritchard. Bigger Brush works with about a dozen bands that mostly play folk music. The collective helps record, promote, and book their musicians, and the charge to the artists? Absolutely nothing. Throw a couple hundred bucks at uh, some software, a couple hundred bucks at some gear, maybe buy yourself one nice microphone for 500 bucks, and you can make things that are legit. It's really all the same idea, and it's if we can all kind of pool resources, we can all do things that are completely professional, all with sort of a shoestring budget. Pritchard graduated from Michigan State in 2009. He says after college, the majority of his friends moved to cities like Chicago because it was the hip place to be. Pritchard says he wanted to stay in Lansing because he saw potential in the city. He thought the best way to build on that potential is to play up the local art scene. I think without art, we're going to continue to lose people. We're going to continue to lose, uh, you know, those young people that we've paid so much and invested so much time and energy into educating, they're going to keep moving away. Pritchard figured good music might make people want to stick around. In order to do just that, Pritchard and other musicians from Bigger Brush recently put on a concert called Folky Fest in Lansing. The annual Folky Fest featured a lot of Bigger Brush musicians as well as bands from other collectives around the state. Brandon Foote is part of the Lansing-based band Gifts Her Creatures. He's with a music collective from northern Michigan called Earthwork. In our sense, it's about the community, and an earthwork is definitely a community. Um, and I definitely don't think it's just about the music. It's definitely about knowing your neighbors, loving your neighbors. Foote is a huge advocate for Michigan. Many of his songs are inspired by the state. The one that gets the most airplay is about Detroit. He performed this song at Folky Fest. Speaking of Detroit, we'll send this one out to the Red Wings. This is a tune about a P.O. box down in the Detroit River. There's this tugboat that goes up to the freight liners and drops mail off to the big freight liners coming through. It's called the Westcott, and this tune's about that folk. 
The lyrics paint a picture of the state with lines like, two oars and muscle power is what this rust belt gave to me. Like many in the local music scene, Foote enjoys being a part of a community and hopes his fellow musicians will continue to stay loyal to the state. It's a crazy time of year because a lot of people have kind of jetted, but I think some of the guys that are here have just finished school. It's, it's really something to, you know, our, our culture kind of sets you up to do a lot of college and to do it, but I think people that actually complete it and uh, go through community and really build something with bigger brush, it's something to be said about it. So we hope you all stay here in Michigan with us. Gifts or Creatures is one of Maria Chomor's favorite bands. This was her first time going to Folky Fest. She says going to concerts and hearing local music has actually made her want to stay in Michigan. I am a, just finished my freshman year at Michigan State and um, didn't want to stay in Michigan to go to school, but ended up doing it. And I wasn't sure, I love music, wasn't sure of what music would be like around here and started going to shows and realized that there is an amazing music scene, Michigan music, and fell in love. And that mentality is exactly what Pritchard is aiming for. He says he hopes creating a strong music scene in Lansing will not only make people want to stick around, but hopefully it just might make people move back. For Impact Exposure, I'm Emily Fox. You're listening to Impact Exposure. You are tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. Tonight is a special edition of Impact Exposure in which we are highlighting Michigan's contemporary folk music scene. You heard from Brandon Foote of Gifts or Creatures in that last story. He and his wife, Bethany, came into the studio this past summer to talk about their music and their love for the state. So first off, can you just introduce yourselves and and tell us um, how your band um, formed and how long you guys have been around for? Um, okay, I, I'll start. Um, I'm Bethany. I'm Bethany Foote, and this is my husband, Brandon. And we have been playing, I guess, close to two years. Um, we got married about two years ago in August, and we started making music then um, and put together our first album, which came out last it's September. So it's kind of a newer project. Um, Brandon's been doing music for a long time, but it's a newer adventure for me, and I'm kind of just getting the hang of it, but it's been fun. So... So did you guys um, play music together before you were married? Is this an after-the-fact kind of deal? This is a more, more than, more, I guess, more than less an after-the-fact type deal. Um, we played out of this great book a little bit in Bethany's parents' basement called The Waltz Book, which is all these classic waltzes. She played her the piano she played growing up on, and we, a few times when we were over there we played, but that was about it. So hmm. um, Gifts for Creatures, the, kind of taking my songs and... Um, letting Bethany add kind of her element to them has been new and pretty pretty um, enjoyable so far. So, and what do you think? What is that dynamic like to to be married and and, and making music together? Because I feel like I would have if if I was married to someone or had a significant other that I'd play with. Sometimes I feel like I would get frustrated because you know this person so well, and then you're making music. And I guess what is that dynamic like being married and being in a band together? Um. I guess I mean it's an interesting thing. I guess it it seems to work work well in in that our hobby. This is our hobby. This is our um, kind of a love, and um, it's always been a part of my life in the form of playing piano and um, not so much the I guess the band and performance element. So that's kind of taken a 
a little bit of a growth on my part to be comfortable with that, but for us to do it together, it kind of just makes sense. I mean, we come home from work, we both work uh, day jobs and ha and kind of do our own thing, and to come home and have that to do and to practice. And we also get to play with some great other people um, as well, and that kind of helps just give that extra flavor, I think, to our music. So, I mean, when was the point that you guys were like, you know, let's let's be in a band together. And, and what inspires you when you are, um, you know, jamming or, or, or coming up with, with new songs? I think it's been really just an organic kind of um, happening. I mean, I, I write a lot of music I have for years, and I've gotten more and more into writing my own music. I've played a lot of traditional music over the years. Um, I played mandolin quite avidly for a handful of years, and um, being a songwriter um, is just, it kind of kind of keeps growing on me the idea of writing songs and uh, learning I, I've learned a lot about myself in the process you write write songs and write songs and some of them are excellent and some of them need a little work and the more you write the better you get but through all those songs I usually like to write a lot about um, the kind of local uh, regional history and whatnot so I think I've learned a lot about myself and it's just been a process like just something I need to do and Bethany's been really supportive so I think having her as a backbone has helped kind of push things to the forefront and um, getting this, getting these tunes out there and um, yeah, having a having a, a sidekick that's really behind me has been really special. So, so Gifts or Creatures um, is involved with Earthwork Music Collective, and I understand that Earthwork does a lot of activism with mm -hmm. with its musicians associated with this collective. Can you talk about um, the activism pro projects that you guys may have been involved with? Yeah, um, I mean we feel that um, the Great Lakes are just such a fertile resource um, for, for natural resources and. Uh, you know, water awareness has been a huge one. We've been advocates for water, uh, water advocacy, and working with um, a bunch of different environmental groups. One in particular is the sulfide mine that's been happening. Uh, that's actually been put into place, but we put up a pretty big stink about it, just trying to make sure that it's uh, it's known that sulfide mining is is detrimental to the environment and to people's quality of life. Um, we've also been a part of water festivals that have been happening throughout the state for the past handful of years. Um, the Grand Rapids Water Festival happened just this um, June, which we are a part of. There's been water festivals in Traverse City. There's been water festivals in Kalamazoo. Um, hopefully those, there's been a water festival in Marquette as well. There hopefully will be one in Detroit in the years to come. And just, just creating awareness, we work with a great organization out of northern Michigan, out of Traverse City called SEEDS. And they do a bunch of after-school programming, and a lot of it is tied in with env environmental advocacy. So when you say water festivals, is that like a music festival with a focus on trying to raise awareness about water? Yeah, precisely. It's donation-based. Um, you come and you see a lot of great music. A lot of the earthwork artists are involved, but there's also other artists. We, um, and through that, um, there's actually speakers between each act that talk about different um, ways that people can get involved. Uh, and just really knowing... Um, the basics of water, the water you're drinking, where it's coming from, uh, the water cycle, it's, things as simple as that. There's people that don't know. Um, knowing that bottled water isn't always the best option, there's other options out there, um, are all important. You know, that's just one step of the way, but it's all very, very important and dear to our, near to our hearts. So. so without further ado, would you be willing to play a song for us? Sure, absolutely. And, uh, this is a new tune. Uh, we have um, just guitar and pump organ, an old pump organ here tonight. and. Um, this is a tune kind of about the uh, the good and bad of um, Thomas Edison, the good things and bad things he brought into this world. So it's called Telegraph Tramp.
deceptive cadence at the end <laughs> <laughs> um in the studio as gifts or creatures they are a lansing based band so i understand that sometimes when you are trying to find inspiration for music sometimes you'll go to the library and check out historical books was this one of those songs that you that you went to the library for inspiration brandon did yeah, yeah. yeah. he did a lot of reading um, there's a batch of tunes um there's actually three or there's three and a half in the works that are actually all about edison and kind of his Michigan and East Coast ties, and um, I'm not sure if they'll all be recorded and presented to the world, but they're in the works, so maybe we'll make a whole whole album just about Edison, so I don't know. 
And I noticed a lot of Michigan ends up in your lyrics. Yeah. I um, mean, is that a conscious effort? Do you think that, that your your mission is, is to sing songs about about the state, or, or is it it's just I a part of who you are? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's an outright mission, but we both love Michigan. I'm, I think it influences a lot of choices that we make, and um, I think we've grown to be that. I mean, be that as a couple and just individually. Um, we spent our early years here. I actually was born in England and moved here when I was five and a half, but have family roots here. So a lot of our upbringing was um, in the state, and we both definitely have gone different places and come back. And I think we see a beauty in the state and just the community that we're a part of, we're really thankful for. So I think it influences a lot of what mm -hmm. we... Yeah, absolutely. Would, it's... I think, yeah, we have friends in Detroit, we have friends in Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, Traverse City, Marquette, um, the Keweenaw. We, we have friends everywhere in Michigan. We can go sleep on a couch anywhere. And um, I think I've really grown to l feel really lucky that we have that. And look, mm -hmm. thinking about leaving is it's not really in the cards right now. And, you know, it's um, we both really like our jobs. I work at Elderly Instruments in Lansing and I've been there a long time. And um, yeah, we just feel really blessed to have the community we do. We know it's not something everybody finds every day, so we try to embrace that and kind of. Uh, yeah, you know, we want people to we want people to know about Michigan, but we also want to make sure that um, people that learn about it know that it's a special place, and people that come here respect it for what it is. Because a lot of the people on on the coast don't even know where Michigan is, you know. So wow, that's pretty. Yeah. At least I talk to yeah. a lot of people. That, I talk on the phone a lot during the day at work and. There's a lot of people that are, aren't have never been through Michigan at all because it is kind of out of the way. It's a it's a peninsula. It's you don't travel through, you know even the heartland of America. You drive through Ohio, Indiana, mm -hmm. et cetera. But Michigan's just it's off the radar a little. So I think there's there's an importance for educating the uh, those folks out there that are kind of un unschooled with the likes of our mitten state. So yeah, and and can you talk a little bit about um. I know we've we've talked before, Brandon, um, about um, and, and Bethany as well about kind of the music scene in Michigan. And and before Brandon, you've told me um, that you know because we're a peninsula, like you said, you know people don't drive through it. Um, but because we're a peninsula, do you think that that reflects um, a different type of music scene that you may get in different states? Where maybe in different states you get more touring bands. Where mm -hmm. in Michigan, maybe those you know the bands that we have here stay here. I do. I really do. I think there's a um, there's a community sense here that people almost feel like they need each other a little bit more. Um, and uh, yeah, we have friends that we have friends that live out in Woodstock, New York, that are great musicians that tour the tour the world, and they've come to Michigan for our harvest gathering that we're a part of at the Earthwork Farm in the fall. And uh, I think they've just been blown away by the people here and this their their love for music and just their genuine uh, support that they that they pour out. So. And can you talk a little bit about Harvest Gathering? I know that's coming mm -hmm. up in September. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's actually um, Seth Bernard, Seth and May, um, May uh, Bernard now, I believe. Uh, I don't know, I'm not sure if she took his name or not. They just were married last week, Seth and May Early Wine. Um, Seth Bernard and May Early Wine. So it's at their farm. They live on a farm that's the Bernard family farm where Seth's father lives. And it's a pretty decent chunk of land, and they have a home there as well as um, Bob Bernard. And they have a festival that's... Um, it's a beautiful thing. It's about 2,000 people. Um, they kind of eat community meals together. And um, there's three stages of music that starts at 10 in the morning and usually goes till the wee hours of the night. And it's a, it's an amazing, amazing weekend. It's my favorite weekend of the year, generally. So, 
So talk about how you used Kickstarter for your first album that came out this fall. Mm -hmm. um, how did you utilize that website? Um, it was really new to us. We did it. Uh, we did it a year ago in I think June, mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of before the onslaught. A lot of people have done it since then, and it seems to be proven quite successful. Um, just rallying your community um, behind what your project and essentially allows you to pre-sell albums and, and offer other incentives to raise funds instead of going into debt to put out an album. People in your your fan base or your community base will be like, hey. I'll, I'll donate you $25 right now if you're going to send me an album when it's done. Um, and that definitely limits the overhead of, uh, you know, putting things on credit cards, which a lot of musicians do. And a lot of musicians live paycheck to paycheck or gig to gig. It's it's not the easiest. Uh, it's definitely a labor of love. I guess that's the way to think about it. So We had fun with the Kickstarter. We really did. Yeah. We, we had fun coming up with incentives. We did some cookies for a certain rate. And, and also we did, we love to juice and we have a juicer. So we did some juicing parties with some people who were higher bidders. And we, we just had a really good time with it. And the, the love and the support that we received um, through it was really, it was just mind blowing. We were mm -hmm. really surprised and just, um, I think there was a sense of ownership that our community was able to have. I know our family and some close friends really felt like they were able to help us kind of have that final push to just get the albums printed, and that's kind of where we were at, and it was really what enabled us to finish them in time for September, so we were really thankful for it. Well, without further ado, in the studio is Gifts or Creatures, and uh, before our next guest, we're going to take you out with a song of theirs that was released on their album in the fall, and this is called Mail from the Westcott. The most power is what the city gives me. Towards the most power is what the city gives me. Feel it down on your toes. Do you feel it down on your toes? Do you feel it down on your toes? Make a crew. tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. Seth and May Bernard are leaders in Michigan's contemporary folk scene. They founded the Earthwork Music Collective and host a yearly music festival. And they just released a new album called New Flower. To talk about the album is Seth Bernard here on the phone. Welcome to the show, Seth. Hi, Emily. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So can you tell me a little bit about your new album, New Flower? Yeah, um, we got to be a part of this awesome expedition called the Run Across Ethiopia. So we spent most of January in Ethiopia, and we wrote all of the music there. Uh, we got to meet with Ethiopian musicians and play in schools, and we played for all of these runners who ran this ultra, ultra, ultra marathon across southern Ethiopia to raise money to build schools. And we recorded the album when we got home and uh, just released it, and half the money from the album goes back to Ethiopia to uh, build schools and help people with education. So why did you decide to go to Ethiopia? One of our best friends came up with the idea, and he's the founder of On the Ground, the nonprofit that sponsored the trip. And On the Ground works all over the world uh, directly with communities 
to work on health care and education and water infrastructure. And uh, Chris Treeter also, he started Higher Grounds Trading Company, uh, Michigan's first organic fair trade coffee company. And so um, he invited us to come along and, and convinced us that it was important to have a cultural exchange component to the trip to to, you know, raise money to help people out in Ethiopia, but also to bring some of our culture there and share it and to be influenced by their culture and bring it back here. So are you still on tour kind of promoting the album right now? Uh, we just finished the, the first big push. Um, we did 10 dates in 16 days with our five-piece band and uh, some radio and some TV and stuff. Uh, but we're continuing to push it out there, and we're going to do some more stuff in schools and libraries and things like that. There's also a, a film that goes with it, and we've done a few sneak previews of When We Run, the documentary. Um, we did the soundtrack for it. So there were these runners and journalists and also filmmakers that went on the trip to document the whole thing. So we're going to continue to play the music, and, and then the film is going to officially be released in the new year. And where can people go to see that film once it's released? Uh, the, the preview for the film is on YouTube right now, um, but once the film is released, we'll be doing like a full publicity tour with it. And um, at, at, the, at the moment, you can go to onthegroundglobal.org to learn more about the trip and about the organization itself. So what would you say was the most impactful thing that you experienced while in Ethiopia, whether that be a moment or, you know, a, a change in thought? Mm, that's a good question. It, the whole experience was very impactful, and um, I'm still, it's still soaking in in my soul um, and my heart, and, and, you know, my wife May, too. Both of us are still sort of coming to understand what we went through there. I guess if I could think of a moment, it would be when we went to this community, Hasegola, um, in the coffee-growing region, the Sadamo region, which is the birthplace of coffee. And this was a community of coffee growers that um, Chris Treeter has worked with for a lot of years, and um, this was the first community to benefit from the effort of on the ground to build schools. So we went there thinking that we would see s some people we knew that we would be received, and, and they were cooking us lunch, and there was going to be a celebration. But there were like 2,000 people there, and everyone surrounded us when we arrived. It was up in this hill in the sun, and uh, everyone was singing and dancing and clapping, and everybody it was just, it was so emotional and, and so human. Uh, we all cried, and people gave speeches, and we got to play music, and um, the people, they really felt respected and honored, and um, the speeches that were given and, and translated were just so profound and human and also just very simple, you know, showing respect and, um, and being compassionate um, to, to the people that actually have a big impact on our daily lives. The trading of goods and services is really a global thing, and so our community is global in this day and age. And, um, the, uh, the, the spirit of the Ethiopian people is so powerful. It's a very mature, intelligent culture, very ancient culture. The uh, music and art is, is, is amazing and vivid. And, um, and uh, the people, even the ones that have to face the, the strongest um, adversity and, and sickness and poverty, um, treated us with unconditional respect and, 
an incredible generosity. So I think that the standard of humanity and of conduct there is the main thing that has stayed with me as I try to remind myself that, you know, kindness is above all, you know, where it's at as far as being human goes. So after you came back from Ethiopia, you rented a house on Old Mission Peninsula to record this album. Why did you decide to go to Old Mission Peninsula versus, you know, staying at your home base? That's a good question, too. Uh, a couple of our mentors live up there. They, they run the Neotuanta Research and Education Center, which is just a wonderful uh, social justice and peace and activist uh, organization. And they've been mentors to a lot of people in the northwest lower Michigan community. Um, Bob Russell and Sally Van Vleck are their names. And uh, uh, as we were visioning and putting intention into the trip, we met with them a couple times. Um, to sort of focus our intention for the pilgrimage. And they uh, made this house available to us for five days. Um, so we wanted to have a place that was away from our homes, and it was also within sort of the realm of Neotuanta, which is a sacred place for us. So you, you guys were able to create a whole album within five days? Yeah, we wrote the album uh, when we were in Ethiopia in 12 days, and then we went... Um, into our home studios here, and we did demos of the songs. Then when we went up to Neotuanta to record, we had three days of rehearsal and two days of tracking. But then after that, we did more overdubs, and we had some great Michigan artists like Joel Mabus and Peter Madcat Ruth and Lansing's own Ethiopian-born uh, Tamuskin, <laughs> who plays at Altus every month. He played Ethiopian instruments on the record and uh, was our very special guest at a bunch of the release shows. Wonderful guy. He even did some Ethiopian dancing for us, which was totally a highlight of the shows. Um, so, yeah, we gathered our friends and gathered the sounds together. Uh, but the, the basic tracking took a couple days, and, um, and we wanted to make it fresh and really push for it because these runners had run a marathon a day for 12 days. So um, we wanted to honor them and their effort and put, put out a really strong effort ourselves. Nice. Well, for for our listeners that may not be so familiar with with what we call Seth and May, um, so you and May recently got married this past summer, correct? That's right. And how long have you been playing together? We've been playing together for seven and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, so um, I, for our listeners out there, I'm talking with... Um, uh, Seth Bernard, he he and uh, May, which they call each other, Seth and May, they're leaders of Michigan's contemporary folk scene, and they founded the Earthwork Music Collective and host a yearly music festival, and they just released a new album called New Flower, and we're just about to play the title track. Before we play that, Seth, can you tell us a little bit about this, this song, New Flower? Yeah, that was the first song that May wrote when we got to Ethiopia. We went to this mission for the dying and destitute, that's what it was called, uh, in Addis Ababa on Ethiopia's Christmas and played music for for the kids in the orphanage and for the men in the men's ward and the women there. And uh, May went back to the hotel and wrote this song right away. And I think it, it captures a lot of the inspiration that we received from those people and also what we hope to bring back to the U.S. as that was sort of our, our mission. Well, here on Impact 89FM is the song New Flower by Seth and May. It's not blind, the hope that's in your eyes Through your eyes I see too 
And there is nothing at stake That can stand up to your grace To the grace so awaken you To take this love and go in peace Teach this joy to all you need And let the sorrow stand They remind you Come on you flower, take this seed And grow beauty from your greed And every day bear witness to its splendor not weak, the softness that you speak, in your peace lies the courage that I crave. Like the scarecrow who came to find a little peace of mind, this lion is longing to be brave. So take this love and go in peace, teach this joy to tuned to Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emily Fox. That was a track of Seth and May's most recent album. They are the founders of Earthwork Music Collective. Earthwork works with some of the best contemporary folk artists in the state, including the artists you'll be hearing from later in the hour. Up next is an interview with MSU's own Frontier Ruckus. They came into town in October. The Impact caught up with them after an intimate set at East Grand Record Company in East Lansing. Frontier Ruckus is known for their descriptive lyrics that depict Midwest life. Their music has been described as a blend of bluegrass and folk to create a sense of a creaky back porch storytelling session. The band formed in the mid-2000s on the campus of Michigan State University. Literally across the street in West Circle. Frontman Matthew Milia lived in Landon Hall. Drummer Ryan Etzkorn lived in Campbell Hall. Trumpet saw melodica and keyboard player Zach Nichols lived in Gilchrist Hall. I actually learned how to play the saw. Right over there in Gilchrist Hall on the third floor. I remember it like it was yesterday. Since graduation, Frontier Ruckus went from playing in basements in West Circle Halls, Scene Metro Space, Max Bar, and the International Center to playing at Bonnaroo in 2010. They tour seven to eight months out of the year, with tours spanning across the United States. They also got back from their second European tour last May. Milia says Frontier Ruckus's music has reached a wide span of audiences over the years. It's so gratifying. I mean, people are just really eager to enjoy your music, it seems. I mean, they just make themselves really accessible to it, even if they don't speak your language, which is very interesting because I have enough trouble explaining, like prefacing a song or saying something before a song in English. So then over there, I'm just, they just look at you with these grinning faces of total, you don't know if they're insane, maybe some of them are, but. Somehow something <clears throat> translates and they enjoy it. Often seem to <clears throat> enjoy the, sh- the songs more than English-speaking people over here. But drummer Etzkorn says it's refreshing to play in East Lansing again. Yeah, but then we come back to Lansing and people are a lot more familiar with some of the references that are in Matt's songs. Because there are a lot of, or there are several kind of lines that bring to mind parts of East Lansing streets and places and stuff. Like Halloween, I saw you in the dormitory with the warming glory of the harvest, the pilings of the 
Millie agrees there is no better place to perform than what he describes as the nexus of the band's origins. There's no better place to be. That's, and our best shows are here. It's just the best all around for us because it's, <clears throat> um, I don't know. It's what the songs are about. It's, what the, it's the only place I can really write a, a song that really means anything to me because it's like, it's the only place that I actually feel tapped into. It, it houses all of those those kind of nebulous emotions I was talking about. So re-entering the actual physicality of the container of this place is, it's like a physical reaction. It's like a, it just, it activates the chemicals within me. It's a whole different uh, activation of, of being. You're, you're just like, whenever I'm elsewhere, I'm not as, I'm not as vital. Not, I don't feel as tapped into my actual life force. Milia says his connection to his home state has grown stronger since the band started touring, and that connection has influenced Frontier Ruckus's music. If anything, it's just gotten more obsessive about where we're from. Like, the further we feel distance from it, the more, at least myself, more like psychologically, almost in a sort of neurotic way, back towards where I felt the most, most comfortable and safe. Like, I really, I talk about this campus as such a safe, in, if I were to see a psychologist about it, it would probably be unhealthy and the, the way I build it up is a crutch <laughs> in my mind as this perfect, just this blanket of comfort. And it was a time, I mean, this is just something everyone has in their head. It's just this like kind of a place they can go to where it was simpler and it was easier and less threatening. So like when we're out in this big scary world in our little van, there's a lot of discomfort and there's unreliable factors and stuff. So. When I think about where I feel safest, it's always in the past and in my memory, so I write these really obsessive songs about it, which is very therapeutic for me, and I don't care what anybody says about it. <laughs> <laughs> While the band has been gaining national recognition over the years, Frontier Ruggis' drummer Etzkorn says they will always stay true to their beginnings. Yeah, that's funny because sometimes when we're touring in other cities <coughs> and whatnot, like cities that have more of a conventional um, reputation for music, like Nashville, we'll have friends or other musicians that'll be like, why do you still live in Michigan? Why don't you move down to Nashville or Durham or wherever? We're just like, mm, no, no, stay in Michigan. Frontier Ruckus will spend the next month touring the East Coast. Their latest EP titled Way Upstate in the Crippled Summer Part 2 was released November 1st. For Impact 89 FM, I'm Emily Fox.
promised land just a fun way to say the strangeness never ceases cause that means you have baptized me to pieces you are tuned to impact exposure i'm your host emily fox tonight i am bringing you a special exposure episode dedicated to Michigan contemporary folk music. That was a track off of Frontier Ruckus's latest EP. And up next is an interview I did with Chris Bathgate last October. You're tuned to Impact 89FM. I'm Emily Fox, and here I am with Chris Bathgate. We are on the Riverwalk here in downtown Lansing about to get ready for Chris Bathgate's show here at The Loft. So Chris, to start off, can you talk about your musical influences growing up and, and how that may affect the music that you play today? Uh, um, s- growing up, it was kind of a split between traditional American music that was sort of leaked to me through my uncles, through my family, and like really foul pop radio 90s <clears throat> music. I lived in a really rural area, so the two things that I really had access to were the sort of like not necessarily MTV, but the sort of like pop radio scene of the early to mid 90s, and then all this sort of traditional American music. So while, you know, I was hearing Dookie on the radio station, I was hearing Sunhouse um, from my family. So it's sort of a mix between the two. Um, I don't know necessarily if the 90s music was an influence per se, because it's, I sort of have a love hate relationship with that music in that time. Um, but those are the two things that I was exposed to during that time. Can you talk about your songwriting process? What inspires you when you write songs? Um, is, is it something that kind of comes to you or do you make it kind of like you make time to write music? Um, <clears throat> as far as the process, uh, sometimes it's a, like an intellectual pursuit where I'm actually sitting down and trying to write a song about a certain thing a song of a certain type or I'm going for something that's really particular. Um, other times it just sort of falls out of me um, just by nature of sort of living and <clears throat> I've been doing it for so long that it's sort of in my routine so in a sense I don't ever really stop writing. If I'm walking down the street I'll be thinking about songs or about music. Um, it's just sort of at this point in my life I'm just sort of turned on to that so um, I, I guess so there, there's sort of two sides to it. One, I'm always thinking about songs, and I definitely make time to sit down, like, okay, I have two hours tonight, I'm gonna sit at the piano, I'm gonna work on this chord progression. Or, so it's a little bit of both, a little bit of sort of just ask thoughts come, which is all the time, every day, but I also have a structured period of time that I try to work in week, week by week to write. What's your favorite song that you've ever written? I think my favorite song that I've written to date it's probably, it's probably Everything Overture, which is the last track off of Salt Year. Um, it seems like a pretty succinct description of how I feel at this period of, in my life. So I think that that is probably, at this point, the favorite song um, that I've written. Day. So I noticed that your lyrics are usually very descriptive in a lot of your songs. Um, is that something that you purposely try to do? Is that, is that important to you and, and your music? I think um, being descriptive isn't necessarily important in, the, in lyric writing for me. <clears throat> it's more about trying to accurately express what I'm feeling at that time or represent 
an idea or emotion or a story uh, as accurately as possible. So a lot of the times that that a lot of the time it has to be. Uh, sometimes it's descriptive, but a lot of the times I'm just trying to bring about images in my own mind that remind me of that time or that sort of cause a release, I guess, of tension in my mind. So that's sort of what I'm going for. It's usually a release of tension in my mind that's, you know, if I've been stewing on a thought or an idea or a problem that I have. Uh, so not necessarily, I'm not necessarily writing to be descriptive, I'm writing to be accurate, I guess. And when you're performing, um, you know, on your tours or, or tonight, what, what goes through your mind while you're performing? Uh, a bunch of things go through my mind when I'm performing. Sometimes, it depends on what song, it depends on what night, it depends on what mood I'm in, there's a lot of variables. Um, sometimes I'm totally spaced out and it's sort of like muscle memory and my head is totally elsewhere. Where my thoughts may be are, is, usually changes just as much, I guess. Um, so sometimes I'm in the memory of what that song is trying to bring about. Sometimes I'm focused on audience members. Um, I like to look around and try to make eye contact with people as I play. Um, and sometimes it may be solely on my band and what they're doing and what I'm doing. So a lot of the time I'm either really intensely listening to what is going on on stage and totally spaced out or any sort of variation uh, in between. So you're from, or, or you live in Ypsilanti or <coughs> Ann Arbor area? Uh, I live in Pinckney, Michigan. Pinckney, okay. Pinckney, Michigan. I used to live in Ypsilanti. I used to live in Ann Arbor. I've been sort of bumming around the area for maybe about Ten years now. So is that still considered Southeast Michigan? I think so. Take yes. me? Okay, so you live in Southeast Michigan. I live in Southeast Michigan, yeah. So, uh, what is that like uh, to perform in the state versus? I mean, you're in between tours right now. Mm -hmm. So, what is that like to come back and perform in Michigan, where you live, versus traveling elsewhere? Um, I definitely know people in the audience on a personal level, which is always interesting, I guess. Sometimes it's easier to sing or perform or play songs in front of a room full of strangers. Um, you can sort of get into yourself a little easier or get into some performative version of yourself. Uh, my friends don't often let me do that. And I have friends in like New York and other places too and I, there's a room full of a lot of people that I know personally. The vibe tends to be a lot different than a room full of strangers if I'm, you know, if I'm playing Boise or something like that. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, I guess, like sort of my ability to transcend myself, I guess. It's more difficult when I have friends in the audience because they're usually, well, I've, I have really good friends, but sometimes they just like to heckle me. Uh, so there's a little bit of a riff there that sort of snaps me out of that performative mindset. So how would you describe Michigan's music community that you're involved in? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. The, I would describe the music community right now as well, it's interesting, I just went to this meeting that happened at Woodruff's that was curated by Jeff Milo. He does writing for the Metro Times. He's sort of like, he's around, he does a lot of writing about Michigan music and about music in general. And this meeting that I went to was also all about how do we rally national attention to this music scene? That was sort of the question that was posed and a lot of people, there was a panel of speakers. Um, so. I guess I learned a lot in that meeting because I feel like I've been a little bit removed. I've been sort of gone for a long time and I also feel like <clears throat> I'm at a point where I've continually played with people that I know so it's really difficult for me to meet new bands, especially new bands that are doing stuff that's uh, really interesting or like, I don't know, I feel like there's a lot of beginning bands 
uh, or like bands that are really early out in their careers as writers or as performers. So they're sort of working out some kinks. <clears throat> and sometimes that's like, uh, that, I mean, that represents a part of the scene, I guess. But um, I feel a little disconnected at this point, I think, um, just because I've been more focused on trying to work, function nationally rather than locally. Um, as far as what I think about this music community, I think it's super strong. I think there's a ton of talented people in Michigan, uh, and I feel like very few of them are receiving the national attention they probably deserve. That may be true of every music scene, but it's definitely true of the Michigan music scene. I think it's super healthy, I think it's super vibrant, and I think that there are people excelling in many genres as writers and performers. So Salt Year came out in the past year. In um, April, yeah. In April. So are you working on anything new right now? I actually just finished an EP um, called Old Factory. Um, I don't know how much I can say about it, but I'll, I guess I'll say what I feel I can say about it. Um, it's uh, five songs that are all about triggered memories, uh, memories that were triggered by a scent or by uh, something that I saw or something that I heard. <clears throat> so memories that were triggered by my senses. Um, it's uh, Musically, it's kind of scattered as the memories are, and it's going to come out on a bar soap. It's not going to come out as a compact disc or vinyl. It's going to come with a download card and on a bar soap. Um, and maybe I'll say in a real short way why um, the first memory that I sing about on the EP is about a memory inspired by smell. And there's one in particular my Aunt Lois makes soap. She lives in rural Illinois, which is where I grew up. Um, she sort of taught me how to make it, so I have these memories associated with this certain type of lye soap. So I'm sort of trying to make that sensory experience real, I guess. Instead of singing about it, I actually want to present it along with these memories that I have. Are we going to hear any of those songs tonight? Uh, yeah, you're going to hear one. At least two, maybe. And when does this EP come out? It's going to come out probably in mid-January. We haven't announced an official release date, but we may on Monday. Um, so keep your ears to the ground, I guess, on that one. So do you think your music has changed over the years since you started performing? Absolutely. My music has changed. Um, over the years, my music has become, I guess, more focused. I've had more time to concentrate on it, and lyrically, I've become less verbose. When I was younger and in college, I used to sort of cram my songs with all these sort of grad school GRE words and like really try to, you know, spice up the language I was using. I was so sort of tired of listening to the same songs that sounded like songs. I don't know if that makes sense, but sometimes you can tell that if a song's sort of using a cliche in an interesting way, I guess I'm, I was just tired of it, you know. Maybe some of that has to do with the mid-90s music that I talked about earlier, but um, I think I've toned that down quite a bit, and as time has gone on, I focused on trying to say less in a more articulate way, rather than cramming my music with all these verbose words that, while sometimes describe things very accurately, but for the most part bog me down, I think, as an artist. So would you consider yourself, or, or for Michigan to be your home base? Absolutely. I've been here, I've been in Michigan um, for 10 years, so it definitely feels like my home base. Um, and and do, you do you hope that Michigan will continue to be your home base? I would very much like for Michigan to be my home base, but I may move. I don't want to say anything. Like, I, I haven't made plans to move from Michigan. I haven't, you know, I'm not going to disappear to Brooklyn or LA anytime soon, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next 
two to five years, I sort of changed locale. So my final question for you is, is what do you want listeners to get out of your music? Uh, what do I want listeners to get out of my music? Um, I sort of see it like this. I code things a lot. Um, so that it's sort of like, have you ever seen a, uh, Unsolved Mysteries where they change the name and the location to protect the innocent? I sort of do that a lot because my songs are, especially Salt Year, are really derivative of my personal life, um, which in a lot of ways I like to separate as much as I can, even though that's what I'm singing about. Um, so in a sense, I sort of feel like I'm putting this catalyst out into the world and that people are allowed to interact with it and engage with it and bring it into their life on their own terms. Um, so I guess I'm just hoping for a reaction. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily one that should be in line with how I react to that music, but I just want it to be something. Um, I want people to have an emotional or intellectual reaction to what they're listening to. So overall, that's what I like. I don't want them to be like, oh, that's about your friend so-and-so when this was sort of happening. That stuff, it, it doesn't really matter so much. Um, there's this thing that T.S. Eliot says about, uh, you can't, I feel like I'm gonna get this quote wrong, but you can't, uh, you can't describe the emotion to someone and have them feel it. You have to describe the conditions in which that emotion exists and then they'll feel it. So that's sort of what I'm going for, but sort of on my own terms of coding. Um, so I think that's what I want listeners to get. I think those are all my questions. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, Mittenfest is coming. Your listeners should know about Mittenfest. What is Mittenfest? Mittenfest, this year is a five-day festival happening at Woodruff's in Ypsilanti, and all the proceeds benefit an organization, a nonprofit called 826 Michigan, which is focused on after-school tutoring, writing programs, literacy programs. Basically, <clears throat> they get kids excited about writing and about language. Um, and it's five days. They have just announced a lineup. It's an amazing lineup, mostly local Michigan artists. Uh, so it's sort of this sort of DIY five-day music festival, but for a really incredible cause. So your listeners should know about Mittenfest. It's coming. Excellent. And, and you're, you're also involved in, in various causes. I know that um, you've done stuff for like, the LGBT community and things like that. As I've well. played a lot of benefit shows. Um, I identify as an ally, so it seems like lately the best way I can sort of support them is by playing for free to help them raise funds or to raise awareness. Uh, I'm a strong ally. It's one of the things I believe most in is that there's still this sort of like human right loose end dangling in the world. Um, not that other things aren't, you know, problematic, but it seems like that's that's one thing that I'm really passionate about. And then I also worked for a nonprofit called The Neutral Zone, which is a youth center, teen center in Ann Arbor for a few years. That's an incredible organization that's also sort of like helping out young people with soft skills and not just giving them something to do after school, but sort of working on them as individuals. Um, and then I work for 826 um, whenever I can help out, so. Well, I'm here with Chris Bathgate. I'm Emily Fox, your host, and uh, we are here in downtown Lansing on the River Walk, and uh, we're getting ready for Chris Bathgate's show here at The Loft. Chris Bathgate, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Wind 
Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.